Human behavior is critical to effective responses to livestock disease outbreaks. How can we collect data on the relationship between farmers' decision-making in response to a disease outbreak and their psychosocial and behavioral profiles? How can we incorporate the variation in farmers' behavior towards livestock disease management into mathematical models of livestock disease transmission? For the control of livestock diseases, how may we mitigate the inevitable tension between local farmer-led measures and global nationally enforced interventions? We explore these questions and more in this episode of Spider Presents. This is Spider Presents, a series produced by the Spider Podcast Hub. My name is Laura Guzman. And mine is Ed Hill. During this episode, we will be discussing the research article incorporating heterogeneity in farm disease control behavior into a livestock disease transmission model. The article was published in Preventative Veterinary Medicine in September 2023. This work was carried out as part of the Pharma-led Epidemic and Endemic Disease Management Project, known by its acronym FEED. FEED has an interdisciplinary research group, including mathematical modelers, behavioral scientists, and epidemiological veterinarians from the Universities of Warwick and Nottingham. I myself am involved in this project, and so will be offering my own insights during this episode. And for our discussion, we're pleased to be joined by FEED project team member Naomi Prosser, a postdoc in Ruminant Health and Epidemiology at the University of Nottingham. Hello, Naomi. Welcome to Spider Presents. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Could you inform the listeners of your research interest and what you found appealing with the FEED project role? Well, um, my research interests are in the epidemiology of cattle and sheep diseases. And I thought this project was really interesting because it's investigating farmer behavior, which is critical for controlling diseases in their livestock. And it was also using lots of different techniques, so both qualitative and quantitative um, data collection methods to answer the questions and it was a great opportunity to work with a multidisciplinary team. That interdisciplinary, multiple different research areas, aspects, from my own perspective, that was a very appealing aspect of this project. And I've done a little bit of work in the past on mathematical modeling for avian flu and thinking about poultry, um, but I, ha- I haven't done any work in a um, a Great Britain livestock setting, so that was also of interest when I applied for a mathematical modelling role within it to, I guess, also broaden the areas that I'd worked on. So as we've mentioned, the fact through the feed project, we're using a lot of interdisciplinary approaches. And so at the time of this recording, our most recent publication in preventative veterinary medicine um, on incorporating this like, variation in farmer disease control behaviours and then using that in a livestock disease transmission model. Could you tell the listeners what the knowledge gaps were at the kind of the outset of uh, this project that we're hoping to try to help um, help address and plug the gaps? Yeah, for this um, part of the project, uh, so for this paper, we were we wanted to find out how farmers would behave in a disease epidemic scenario. So thankfully, disease epidemics are rare. Um, but we wanted to um, take them through a scenario to understand how they would uh, react um, before an epidemic would happen um, in the future. Um, We also wanted to understand how some of the psychosocial and other behavior change factors might be associated with how farmers behave. So to understand the heterogeneity and how they behave and also some 
of the things that are associated with this. So we uh, thought about the relationships they had with um, uh, the government, other farmers and vets. So um, in terms of things like trust and how close they felt to them. And then we used a behavior change framework as well to yeah, as a basis for, for our work. And it is exciting to see this kind of kind of research as readers of your paper. It gives us new perspectives on mathematical modeling of aspects that usually are not taking into account. And it is that you're going and interviewing farmers and getting in touch, touch with also the behavioral part of this type of problems. To gather information about farmer attitudes towards disease management, you conducted interview with 60 farmers. What was the structure of these interviews? Were novel methods or enhancements to existing methods required to obtain the type of data you sought? Yeah, so the interviews had three parts to them. So the first part, um, I just asked the farmers some demographic questions to to get an idea of what kind of farmers we're talking to and to kind of put their um, responses later on in the interview into context. And then the second um, part of the interview, we presented a disease scenario to them. So I spent some time describing this scenario to them. It was a hypothetical fast transmitting disease similar to foot and mouth disease. So I described how how it was spread, the clinical signs in their herd, and also the consequences of infection um, so the entire herd would be culled. Um, and I also described how they could protect themselves. So um, they could. there were some measures they could use to reduce um, the chance of their herd getting infected. So, for example, we had housing, uh, would had um, a small protective effect. But then we also offered them a vaccine, which was um, relatively expensive, but um, would protect all of their herd um, but they would have to wait five days before the immunity um, would would start in their animals. We spent time dis- describing the disease just to put all the farmers in the same position so they were imagining the same disease as much as possible. And then we um, took them through the scenario to see when, how and w- when they would um, behave and when they would use the vaccine to protect their herd. For this bit, we created um, a novel graphical user interface, or GUI. So this showed where the disease was infecting different herds on a map of the UK. We could progress through time, and so we can see where the disease was spreading. So infected herds would show up um, as red dots on the map, um, and the farmer could see where they were relative to their farm, and there was some summary data as well, so how far away those herds were from the farmer's own herd and the total number of herds in the UK that had been infected to date. So I took them through this um, GUI and asked them at each time point uh, what they would do. Would they vaccinate their herd now and would they do anything else to protect their herds? And I also asked them um, to describe their rationale for why or why not they were going to use the vaccine. And then finally, To gather some of the psychosocial and behaviour change factors, the farmers um, filled out an online um, survey which asked questions about the trust they felt in other relevant um, peoples to disease control, such as the government, um, their vet, um, neighbouring farmers, and also how close they felt to them, and also some other factors from a behaviour change framework, for instance, whether they felt they had enough time to control disease, 
whether um, people around them help them control disease or not. And this was uh, done online to keep their answers anonymous so that hopefully they were answering um, truthfully and I wasn't um, changing how they responded to those questions. Mm, that's a very interesting structure you gave to the questions for the interviews of the farmers. Was it easy to gather the farmers to do these interviews? We used um, farmers who had taken part in previous surveys. Um, so we contacted them again and asked them if they would like to take part in the interview. They were a cohort of farmers that were already likely to want to take part. We did find a slightly lower response rate than we'd hoped, but um, I think it was more the time commitment for the farmers to take part. Um, they might, in, in theory, want to take part in research. I think time was the barrier for a lot of them. From my perspective, as a mathematical modeler, seeing for the first time the the creation of these surveys and then them being administered and run, it's actually the the length of the process is very much very much iterative. So it's consideration, careful thoughts being given at each point, thinking about each question that's asked. And so, how many interventions should we include, or how many different time points in our scenario is reasonable to include to try to heighten the engagement. And some of the early small focus groups that were run as well to gather some initial information. So it's over many months, so getting to this final survey took many months. And then uh, myself, Naomi, and then Paul Brown, who's featured on a episode of our Spider Careers podcast, who's involved in some software development here within Spider, helped develop the GUI graphical user interface for us that was used in the interviews. And so actually collectively working as a group of three over quite a number of weeks to develop the data package and then the visualizations for the for that part of the interviews was a very interesting experience and then to see all our different perspectives on it coming together was yeah I think quite neat and at the end product I thought the level of engagement you got from the farmers interviews was from my more outside perspective I thought was fantastic so and the interface looks very interactive and also quite dynamic that definitely might have helped in the engagement of the farmers Yeah, for the farmers that took part, um, they um, seemed to really get into the scenario, even though it was a hypothetical scenario. I think the GUI really helped add some kind of feeling of reality to it, and they were really thinking about what their response would be, um, which was good to see. Yeah, definitely. So what are the key findings from analyzing the behavioral data? Were there any that were surprising to you? Um, so the farmers did um, differ in um, when they decided to vaccinate. The vast majority did decide to vaccinate at some point. Um, and we found that there was like two, um, two factors that were most um, convincingly associated with when they behaved from the psychosocial and behavior change factors. And the first one was quite surprising. So it was... Um, the how how much they trusted in government governmental judgments for disease control um, was associated with when they vaccinated so they were more likely to vaccinate early if they trusted the government um, but the government had no role in the scenario so um, yeah, that it was a, a bit surprising to me um, so in other epidemics that government does um, have a role and they look to government for advice so perhaps they were just thinking of previous um, previous experience but um, yeah we, we're not we're not quite sure because other than um, there was mandatory culling if they got infected 
um, yeah, we kept we didn't um, give any indication of what government was going to advise in this situation. And then the other um, factor that was associated with when they vaccinated was um, feeling like they had enough money to control disease. Um, and this was um, perhaps not surprising at all. Um, the vaccine was quite expensive and we found that the farmers who felt they had enough money to control disease were more likely to vaccinate earlier um, than those who felt that money was um, a limiting factor in controlling disease. Another major output that this analysis generated was for the different behavioural groupings, using the results from the hypothetical outbreak scenario using the GUI, we could then construct a distribution for at what time point would you administer vaccination and based on how far away is the nearest reported infection and based on your behavioural group. You could then have different categorization for those percentage who might never vaccinate, those who would vaccinate once infection was within 30 miles of their farm, those who would vaccinate once it got within infection was confirmed within 200 miles of their farm, and there might be those who would vaccinate where at the very start of this scenario there were some cases that were initially reported abroad. And for different behavioural groups we could get a different distribution, and that was something we could then put into the uh, infectious disease model and our scenarios there. With a lot of the typical assumptions, you assume perhaps everyone will behave in the same way. So you might assume everyone would only vaccinate once infection got within 30 miles. Whereas now in this, with this data, we could account for not only the splits in between how what's the proportion of farmers who are in each different behavioural grouping, but within each behavioural group, there was then a distribution for at what point would they vaccinate based on how far infection is away. So layering in this extra information about variation in behavioural response was then our advancements on the mathematical modelling side. I think that overall, we then had built a pipeline for gathering qualitative data and getting that into a quantitative form to be used in the livestock disease models. So in this, you could build some scenarios where you were comparing situations like, for example, we have homogeneous behavior or versus what happens if there is heterogeneity in the behavior, and you could incorporate that into your model. Spot on. And so we could then analyze different outputs, uh, different epidemiological measures, such as the expected total number of holdings that might get infected when we compare our homogeneous behavior so everyone acting the same compared to the scenario where we use our data informed behavioral response setup so things like outbreak size outbreak duration and then thinking about what would be the most you'd be willing to spend on on the vaccination for it to basically balance out the cost saved through fewer farms being affected versus the cost of actually deploying the vaccine to the farms so there was also or some economic measures we could explore in that setting. Wow, that's great. I can imagine the implications of this. That's it. And so perhaps, Naomi, from your perspective, thinking about the implications, what are the main takeaways you would say we take get from this work? And are there any limitations that we should bear in mind and that might give ideas for how we would like to take this forward in the future? I think, as you're saying, that incorporating the farmer behavioural differences and the factors that are associated with this into the disease transmission models was a really important part of the project. And the finding that there are different disease output 
outcomes um, when you consider or compare um, homogeneous farmer behavior with the heterogeneity that we measured um, is really important for thinking about future um, livestock disease outbreaks and taking into account that the farmer behavior is going to have um, massive implications on on the expected uh, extent of disease spread. I think the a limitation, but also something that was really important to the study was that we kept quite a narrow focus. Um, so we um, focused on one disease for this paper and one in, well, we focused on the vaccination intervention um, because that was more, it more, could be more clearly um, described to the farmers um, and quantified um, and is, vaccination is a common um, intervention anyway for controlling disease. Um, but this means that um, we don't know necessarily how widely these findings will apply to other diseases. And so it's important that we investigate other types of diseases and other types of interventions to investigate if farmers differ in the same way um, for over lots of diseases or whether they their behavior differs differently for different diseases and if different interventions are taken up differently by the farmers or whether they just take up any um, advised intervention if they're a, a farmer that um, tends to do that. That kind of thing will be um, yeah, really important to understand. And definitely it is always very welcome to find papers about this relationship with behavior and epidemiological models. It's good to see that work like yours can be replicated in other diseases, in other, in other contexts. So looking ahead, are there particular uses of the GUI for further data collections you would like to carry out? Following on from the previous point, um, I think there's a w wide spectrum of diseases that can um, affect farms. Um, and farmers are not just thinking about one disease at any one time. There's um, generally lots of things they're trying to balance. And yeah, this kind of approach can be modified to answer different questions and to test different scenarios. Um, I guess most easily um, different interventions, but then we can think about trying to portray different types of disease and, and maybe endemic diseases as well. Um, and so there's a variety of endemic diseases that are um, affect farmers in different ways. It's a technique that can be modified to um, help us elicit farmer behavior in different scenarios thinking about where the mathematical modeling could also go from this point, as you state, the fact that farmers then trying to manage potentially multiple different pathogens, uh, disease threats concurrently, and there might be different management options they could take for each one. And they might attribute a different weight of risk or different personal costs to trying to prevent infection in the first place or deploying certain interventions. But on the modeling side, I think there's a lot to be explored thinking about multiple disease threats concurrently and the different intervention options there with the different potential weightings placed by the farmers on each one and then equally using then the behavioural information if there's particular nudges that could be done what implications could nudges in behaviour potentially make using modelling we could then potentially do what-if scenarios it's based on if there was some small percentage change in behaviour that could lead to a, a much larger percentage change in a given outbreak uh, statistic such as outbreak size or duration so i think those are avenues which could be explored in further depth in the future yeah yeah there is definitely a lot to be done for this type of modeling thank you naomi and thank you ed for joining to talk about this very interesting research 
Thank you very much. Thanks again, Naomi. This is our news section, where we have a couple of updates on recent happenings in the research group. We begin with research project news. In September 2023, the third iteration of the Mathematical and Economic Modelling for Vaccination and Immunisation Evaluation project, known by its acronym MEMVI, began. The MEMVI project involves applying research techniques in infectious disease modelling and health economics to evaluate routine vaccination programmes in England. The work provides a complementary second opinion on the work undertaken in this area by the UK Health Security Agency. For this project, we welcome Omar Eldeep as a new postdoc joining SPIDER. Our second item is a summary of events that SPIDER members have been attending and participating in. From the 5th to the 7th of September, several group members were at ITDConf 2023, held at Ambleside in the Lake District in the UK. ITDConf is a conference on infectious disease dynamics where infectious disease modelers can share new ideas, in-progress research, and build an open, a collaborative network of scientists. Six group members presented talks, and we also had contributions in the poster session. That's all the news from us for this episode of Spider Presents. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.